Hello, this is Erin Weir. The journey to being a successful creative entrepreneur is filled with challenges, hard work, and occasional high points. You have the opportunity to minimize the challenges and hard work by learning from experts, mentors, and leaders that have traveled the same road before you. The Creative Genius Podcast celebrates you and your hard work and helps you shortcut the path to profit and renewed passion. Enjoy this episode with my co-host, Gail Dobie of Gail Dobie Coaching and Consulting. Thank you for joining us today. We're excited to have Tom Conley on the podcast. Tom is the president and CEO of High Point Market Authority. He received his MBA from University of Chicago and has over 30 years in the trade show business. High Point Market is the largest furnishings industry trade show in the world, bringing more than 75,000 people to High Point, North Carolina every six months. Serious retail home furnishing buyers, interior designers, architects, and others in the home furnishing industries can be found in High Point twice a year. Because you know what they say, if you can't find it in High Point, it probably doesn't exist. So Tom, we are so excited to have you on our podcast. I'm so excited to share with our listeners what's going on with High Point Market. Let's start out with how does year-round designer shopping affect the market? Well, it's a question that's yet to be answered, to be very candid with you. Um, I think from a branding standpoint, anytime we get people to High Point, it's a good thing. Um, As I think you know, our job at the Market Authority is to promote our our twice a year markets in April and October. Of course, this year, our April markets moved to June. But I really believe that COVID has really exacerbated many of the issues that a lot of the exhibitors and the buyers face, and that that is our business is not that cyclical as it perhaps was at one time, especially for designers. If they've got projects, if they need to see people, if they need to see product, uh, they need to see it right away. So over the long haul, uh, for those exhibitors that choose to be open year round and those that those designers that choose to take advantage of it, it's a very good thing. Mm. Well, that is a big shift from previous years, right? It is, but you know, there's on any given year, there's 1,900 to 2,000 exhibitors. Mm -hmm. Some sell sell to brick and mortar and designers. Some are exclusive one way or the other. Right now, between what we have with High Point by Design and First Tuesday, we're probably looking at anywhere to 150 to 200 exhibitors. So it's a subset of the whole. Um, A lot of those folks do not sell to retailers in the triad. You know, there's a concern there from from that standpoint, whether it be a designer-driven product or a brick-and-mortar-driven product. So, you know, this is is not a radical shift for the market per se. It's perhaps a radical shift for a small segment of the the market exhibitors. Mm, Okay. Well, I know everyone's so excited about coming back to market this year and having that experience. I've talked to several of our clients and they have already booked their rooms and we have and our trip is is already on the calendar. We're going to be there. Great. So yeah, very excited to encourage everybody to come to market this year. So what's the biggest wish list item for market? Well, I think the biggest wish list is just to be able to uh, have market in less of a strenuous kind of a situation than we experienced in October. As I think you and your listeners know, we 
were able to successfully pull off a market in October, but we were down 60% in terms of the number of buyers that came to market. Mm-hmm. Uh, and especially for anybody west of the Mississippi, anybody who who couldn't, couldn't drive, there was really a big fear factor with respect to COVID. If what we're hearing uh, from our elected and uh, appointed officials that any adult who wants a vaccine can have a vaccine by May, that bodes very well for June. And there's no question in my mind that there's a pent up demand, not only for product, and you know we can spend some time talking about product and the whole supply chain issues, but uh, I think just getting people back face to face, that's gonna be so critical, especially for your client scale and your ability to uh, interact with them one-on-one, their ability to network with each other and with the exhibitors. Uh, that's just in a, such an important part of this business that we're really pleased that, that the spring market is happening in late spring uh, in June of this year. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's great that you're you know, that you've managed to just move it slightly. And I think it's giving us all the opportunity to plan for it and get excited for it because we miss our friends. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's talk about supply chain. Tell me a little bit about what's happening with that, because that is a huge issue that I'm hearing that people are not getting product, it's delayed, and we're having issues with things getting damaged in shipment. So what are your thoughts about that? Well, since this is a PG uh, podcast, we'll just call it a mess, but I've heard it called <laughs> a lot worse, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, well, uh, you know, it, it really started out with the availability of, of product, and mm-hmm. some of that was really caused by the uh, problems with product made in China, the tariff mm-hmm. issues. Then we had COVID and the availability of labor to make the product as um, even those that were in Vietnam couldn't get back to work because a lot of those were Chinese workers who crossed over for uh, Chinese New Year and then couldn't get back. So there was a shortage of, of the supply of the product itself. Then there was a, a real shortage of the supply of the what they call cans or the shipping containers. Um, those shipping containers traditionally cost anywhere from 1500 to 2500 uh, for a exhibitor to ship prices I've heard quoted as high as 10 to 12,000. Um, so a huge increase in the cost of shipping containers. And now after what just happened in Texas, uh, we're seeing issues with respect to foam and foam is used both in shipping, but it's also used in the creation of product too. So, um, we just can't seem to catch a break at a time when, as far as I can tell, demand has never been higher. Um, mm. So it's, it's, you know, very, very strange that we have this, this problem. Some of the COVID issues we could anticipate, but some of the, some of the shipping container costs and the, and the foam issues we certainly, certainly could not anticipate. Mm. So how are the um, manufacturers dealing with that? What are the things they're doing to try to minimize the costs for the products? Well, it's interesting because, you know, um, we hear stories sometimes of retailers or designers that are on allocation and now they find themselves on allocation, allocation mm-hmm. for, for space. If it's an imported product uh, in, in the, um, both on the ship as well as able to get containers and allocations on foam. They're saying 12 weeks, uh, they're behind in, in terms of, of foam shipments. So, um, they're all struggling, quite quite frankly. I think there's a, 
a benefit for some of the domestic or North American manufacturers over some of the imported products. But now with this foam issue, not necessarily. So everybody's just uh, struggling there. I think they're trying to offer alternative products if they have them already in inventory. Although, frankly, I've talked to some people that you were used to keeping pretty good inventory and even that's being depleted. So the ability to get product is very, very uh, challenging. And I, I think that's why, and I know you've preached this a lot to your clients, is that the relationships that 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 the designer can make with the uh, with the vendors, either current or potential vendors, is so key. Because you know, quite frankly, if there's a limited supply, sometimes the the uh, the squeaky oil is going to or the squeaky wheel is going to get the oil, and in other cases, it's just simply a question of well, they're going to supply their bigger customers. But you know, if the if if you have that relationship, if you're able to sort of talk one on one, and you've got a big project and you need that that product, I know that designers are getting product from certain manufacturers, and it's based on their relationship, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. So for people who are fairly new to market and they're starting to try to reach out and make relationships with some of the vendors, what are some of the things that designers need to know to be able to do business and be able to buy at better rates? Sure. Well, I think for the most part, the designer has to come to the showroom equipped to either either give them information about their, their business, some kind of a, mm-hmm. a form that they've filled out uh, to sort of pre-qualify them to allow them to buy or at least be prepared to have that that conversation so that they uh, the exhibitor knows that they're of a certain volume um, the kind of products and projects that they've done maybe they can show some some samples of some of the projects that they've done but I think primarily it's 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 having the financial wherewithal to do business and also um, showing that they are serious about doing business and that they've been in business for a while or been mm-hmm. affiliated with companies who've been in business with a while. Just showing a high degree of professionalism is really critical from my mm-hmm. perspective. Yeah. And is there a particular revenue level that the vendors are looking for in designers? It really depends on the vendor, quite frankly. Um, I think the bigger the vendor, the higher the revenue level. Mm-hmm. There have been okay. some some vendors that, because of this uh, COVID situation, have, have chosen to eliminate certain uh, customers, whether they be brick and mortar or whether they be designers. That they only, uh, but I, th- I think that's very dangerous for a vendor to do that. Quite, mm-hmm. quite frankly, um, you know, sometimes going to smaller vendors, more niche vendors, you're going to find p- perhaps a better quality, more creative product. Not necessarily, but sometimes. So it really depends on what you, as a designer, consider to be your niche. The kind of vendors that you like to work with, the, light, the kind of vendors that, may, that perhaps you, you're used to working with, mm-hmm. and you know, try to stay in that general area. How do designers find out who the best vendors are for them to work with as a designer? Because it's different. Um, obviously, you've got people who are retailers that are buying in volume, but designers do consistent business overall. So how do they find those people to work with? Yeah, you know, that's very interesting because I've, I've talked to enough designers to know and, and there's been some designers who have, and 
good for them. They've stamped their feet to the vendor and say, hey, don't look at a single purchase. Look at a purchase over a year or two. And in many cases, they'll do more volume than some of the smaller brick and and mortar retailers. So, yeah, um, being able to identify those vendors that they want to do business, being able to identify those those vendors that, you know, that will give them the time of day that will talk to them, that will respect them, I think is is absolutely critical. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. And I think this question is one that some of our designers have asked, but they're seeing that the development of product has slowed down quite a bit. Um, Do you see that getting better over the next year or so? No, worse. Really? Um, Yes. Uh, It costs money to create product. Um, As I think you, you know, in most cases, the new product are samples that are purchased that are, are are brought to shows generally speaking in our industry they aren't necessarily production runs and based on the reaction to the uh, to that product um, then the it, it it's up to the vendor to decide which which products they're going to run and how many of those products they're going to run because that affects obviously pricing and and storage and all the other things that go along I think COVID and supply chain issues have have forced them to think long and hard. Uh, I've heard stories of, of vendors who maybe would come to to market. Uh, let's talk case goods. They may come to to market with ten or fifteen suits, and traditionally they've produced three or four. They're going to come to market with five or six and produce two or three. You know, wow. um, they're 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 just going to limit the offerings because the e, the economies are just not there for them to offer that kind of variety. You know? mm-hmm. Do you see that there is going to be maybe a move toward one market being stronger than the other? So, in, for example, April versus October? You know, that's a really good, good question. I, I'm not really certain. Traditionally, I mean, and I, I get that asked a lot, and we've looked at the numbers quite a, a bit. The, uh, we've tried to e- evaluate not only quantity, but, but quality. By and large, the two markets don't separate much beyond a thousand buyers, something like that, mm-hmm. maximum of forty to forty-five thousand buyers. You know, uh, so a very small difference, and that difference tends to be uh, higher in October, just because I think more customers, from a retail perspective, are on a uh, calendar fiscal year, and mm-hmm. and they want to show new product in January. Uh, for a designer, um, you know that that need for product is a, is is real all year long, and and so we we. Certainly hope from a designer perspective that they'll take advantage of, of both markets depending on their schedule. And then also if this if this whole idea of being open year round really sticks, and I have no reason to believe that it wouldn't, um, if the project is big enough and if the if the vendors that are open are the ones that the, that the designer wants to see, why not? It's a, you know, even in a post-COVID world, it's a great way to shop here. You've got by and large the hundred percent attention of the officials with that with that company for somebody who's brand new to market has never been here or maybe has only been once before what are some of the best things that you could tell someone who's brand new plan 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 i think (laughs) um and wear comfortable shoes right (laughs) exactly no high heels (laughs) you can always tell the newbies unfortunately um it's a little easier to tell the newbies among the women because they tend to to, uh wear a little um really good looking shoes but not necessarily the most comfortable shoes (laughs) the designer guys are you know tend to be a little less uh 
available in, 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 in terms of their footwear to sort of figure out who's new and who's an old timer. But yeah, I, I, you know, because this market covers so much territory, planning on where they want to go. I had one designer tell me that, that the way that they've sort of figured out market is that they want to shop by category. And so they arrange the categories that they are looking for, but then they have to, that they have to look at the, at the vendors that they want to see and divide them into the buildings. So it, it, it makes for a little bit of a schizophrenic shopping experience, but it, uh, you'll be running all over hell's half acre unless you're able to uh, understand where these exhibitors are, place them. We've divided market now into seven neighborhoods. And so we, we hope that will help. But still, um, between walking and the transportation that we provide, it really is important to understand where you want to go. Obviously, try to get to the rep and or some of the senior people and let them know you're, you're coming and approximately when you're going to be there. If they don't know you well enough, find out what it takes to open an account, what kind of information they want. So, and if you can get it to them beforehand, that's even better, especially if you're coming to buy. And then I, I, the other thing is to, to try to reach out through your good offices or any other way that they possibly can to meet des, de other designers so that they can have opportunities for meals or for just meetups. Check the educational programs. Um, you won't see quite so many in, in June, but we hope that it all comes back in October because uh, both we and buildings as well as, as exhibitors offer different educational uh, programs. A lot of times those are for credits, for CEU credits. If you happen to be a designer that lives and works in a, a state that requires uh, that. So, uh, you know, just really good, good planning. I, I can't tell you how many times we've run across people both on the retail side as well as on the designer side who have come to us just exacerbated, just, you know, totally tired and exasperated saying, I can't really figure out how this all works. And then when you dive a little deeper, you find out that they really just didn't really know what they were getting into. They got off the bus and looked around and said, oh, this is not a convention center. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, planning is really critical. Yeah, and I, th I think in past years, I've had clients say that they actually plan their travel based on the meals and the drinks. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> yeah, of course, that's really changed a lot in the last year or so. so. Really has, really yeah. has, yeah. Yeah. So is that going to come back, do you think? Not so much in June, but I think it'll be back in um, October okay. um, because I, I think in June, people are still just be a, a little nervous. Um, mm -hmm. I've talked to a couple of caterers and they just don't have that much business, you know, um, mm -hmm. on the books that they had in the past. The other thing, you know, and I guess it's just human nature. If, if, if an exhibitor can do business and not have to do all the extensive entertaining that they've done in the past, they would, they would probably try to do that. And, you know, also the other thing that we're hearing from some buyers and, and they don't want to be identified, but a lot of times they feel obligated to go to dinner or have drinks with a vendor because they want to maintain that relationship. But they're, you know, that's not really why they're there. And, and, and so there may be more of an emphasis on just doing business and hitting the high points and, and building those relationships um, uh, sort of semi-socially, but but not with the three and four hour drinks and dinner and all that sort of stuff. And that really works to my way of thinking to the buyer's advantage. Mm -hmm. They can see more people 
they still want to be friendly and, and sociable, but, you know, they can really talk about the business side of the business. And my gosh, there's so many issues these days that people have to worry about. I'm, I don't think anybody's going to be short for uh, topics, you know? Oh, right. Absolutely. So, Tom, one of the things that I know is a little bit unusual because in the last couple of years, I know there are designers that are bringing their clients to market. How is that working out and what are the issues around that? Sure. We have always said that the market, the high point market is a trade event only. But if a designer asks to bring his or her client, we've always registered them as a guest of that designer. And we've asked that the designer keep the client close at hand. The problem is not really with us, quite frankly. The problem is with some of the exhibitors who, in my view, have not done the right thing with respect to pricing. Uh, In a lot of cases, they put the lowest wholesale price or they put uh, different pricing on their product. And that's caused some problems. And it's also caused some problems for the designer because the designer has not told and set the ground rules with their client as well as with their vendor. So that, you know, and and miscommunication in the business that most of your uh, clients are in is probably the biggest problem that they, that they face. So, you know, that, that has been somewhat, somewhat problematic. Now with the year round effort, especially this group called high point by design, they are targeting and, and it's not universal, but many of the, exhibitors are targeting not only designers, but design enthusiasts. And the way they do that is that if they have pricing on their product, and not all of them do, but if they have pricing on their product, it's retail pricing. And so what it allows, and there's a couple of instances where there's some very high-end product, and I've had the owner tell me, look, if a, if a, a consumer walks in and they're willing to pay full retail for the product, they say, look, why don't you use a designer? Because quite frankly, that's what the designer is going to charge you. And, you know, and you'll get the benefit of his or her creativity. This whole thing about retailers, you know, we have to make sure that we stay a trade show, but there's nothing wrong with the designer bringing a client as long as the client understands the rules of the game and their vendors understand the rules of the, of the game, unless the designer is 100% transparent about what he or she pays for the product. I mean, most of the, of the designers that I'm aware want to make uh, a margin on the product in addition to charge for their time. And they should. I'm not, I'm not saying that they, that they shouldn't. But, you know, the Internet and people wanting to do shopping on their own, um, it's made it more difficult for many designers to to get a, a full mark on a on a product. So they have to be pretty sophisticated about the way they treat that. Yeah. So I think a lot of designers are struggling with that because they do have clients who want to come to market with them. And they're not exactly sure how the best way is to handle that. So I appreciate your feedback on that. I have a couple of questions from some of our clients. For example, they want to know, are we going to see some new vendors, people bringing in more accessories and things like that to market? Well, I wish that I had the ability to, um, to say definitely yes to that. Uh, one of the things that is also unique about the high point market is that our job at the market authority is to recruit and retain buyers. And the selling of space is left to the people that own and operate the buildings. Um, And so we don't have the control over the product mix the way I am used to doing in in other other trade shows. I have, uh, however, pushed 
these buildings through conversation to think about other product categories because of the way things are changing in the industry. For example, uh, before COVID, hospitality was a big deal. We saw a lot of residential designers trying to get their foot uh, in the in the door and successfully get their foot in the in the door, especially in boutique kind of um, projects in the hospitality field and doing it quite successfully. Now we're seeing big hospitality companies going out of business left and right. So we saw that as a, an opportunity for the designers. I really am seeing much more opportunities in the kitchen and bath area. I think the antique part of the business needs to grow. So uh, clearly there are parts of the product mix that a typical designer is interested in that could and should grow a lot of that is supply and demand, and a lot of it is sort of the traditional approach of the people that sell and lease space. What do you think are some of the big things that will be happening with market in the future? If you were to put look at the crystal ball. Well, my crystal ball is very crowded, very cloudy <laughs> these days. <laughs> um, you know, I would have a wish list and then there and then I would probably say but that probably won't happen. I think the wish list that I would have is that everybody who's in this business comes to oh, hopefully in my case the high point market, but let's face it any market will do get to the get to a market at least once a year because they are energizing their creative opportunities, their opportunities to network, to learn, to see new new product and I think it forces designers out of their comfort zone. Um, you know, there's an, an, an old adage in this business. When I first got here oh, over 10 years ago, I heard it very, very much. Well, we've always done it that way. And designers are less prone to say that, but you do, you know, we're human beings and we fall into little uh, ways of, of, of always doing something. And so, you know, trade shows are designed to offer new things, new ideas. And so I, I, I would hope that people would would do that. There's, you know, there's probably too many trade shows. We've been faced with that kind of a, a situation. So I, I think trade shows are going to be challenged to make sure that they bring uh, value both to the exhibitor and to the buyer. So there's going to be some some shake out there. We, we've seen uh, challenges, not only for smaller companies, but for uh, companies of all sizes in terms of just being able to stay in business. So the choice of vendors may go down as uh, as we sort of evolve from COVID. And, you know, the way that the industry chooses to do business might be different. There is certainly a real emphasis on digital, whether it's digital to consumer or digital to the trade. Uh, and so there's going to be lots of challenges there in terms of how the business is being done. The use of technology is just growing in leaps and bounds. And I, you know, I, I hope that our industry is such that we never lose the opportunity for face-to-face. -face. I think the product size and color and all of the, the challenges that we face with product is going to force us to have some face-to-face. -face. But, you know, clearly um, technology is going to, going to take the place of, of some of the things that used to be uh, done face-to-face. Well, I hope that means from what you're saying that we'll we'll still have markets that so we're not going to go away completely from a, a market scenario. No, I don't think that I don't think markets will ever go away. But I don't you know, I don't I can't define what normal is. And it's been overused and overused and overused. But there will be some kind of a new normal, the return to what the way it's used to, to 
the way that it was two years ago, I think has probably changed forever. Yeah. Well, it's going to be interesting to watch and see what happens over the years. So in uh, wrapping up today, what are three takeaways or three things that you would say to designers that are listening to this so that they kind of have a, a sense of what's important about market? Well, if you come to market, thank you. That's really important. We, as a community, as a state, as an industry, rely on the customer. Um, you know, even though the exhibitor foots the bill for making all these pretty product and beautiful displays and all of that, um, we would be nowhere without the buyer. I remember one of our exhibitors said, if all the buyers decide to go to Nome, uh, Alaska, guess where all the exhibitors would be. So um, <laughs> we really do thank them. For those of your clients and, and those listening who have not been to market, I would encourage you to consider it at least once a year. It's really important, but try to try to um, find a friend to come to market with, prepare to come to market, because there's just so many opportunities at market. I think we can be a heck of a resource for anybody new or anybody who has any questions, we try to keep current with uh, hotels and bus schedules and educational programs and all of that. So please uh, use our services to the, to the fullest because we are here to help. Um, and then just really challenge yourself in terms of your own education and your personal development and make market an important part of that personal development. Uh, it's it, it, it really does help to keep people in the game and to help their businesses grow. Excellent. Well, and we appreciate the partnering with you over the years. We've enjoyed that and so providing educational opportunities. And thank you so much for doing the forward for my book. I'm really excited about that coming out right I before. Am, I am too. Yeah. <laughs> it'll, be, it'll, be, it'll, it'll be great. It'll be great for you. It'll be great for all of your readers and I'm sure um, really necessary. So thanks well, for doing it. That's, we're hoping that it helps them all make more money and Absolutely. they'll be able to come back to market more often. So thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it, Tom. My pleasure. We hope to see you at High Point Market in June. We'll be there and we cannot wait to see our creative community. If you haven't registered for market yet, go do it. All you need to do is go to highpointmarket.org slash register. And just a reminder, for every registered buyer for June High Point Market, you'll get a free PDF of Gail's new book that releases in early April. Also, be sure to follow High Point Market on Instagram at the handle at High Point Market. You won't want to miss our episode next week. Kim Raymond, owner and principal architect of Kim Raymond Architects located in Aspen, Colorado, will be joining us.